BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. This week's Law & Order Marathon winner is Morgan Ferdinand from Baltimore, Maryland. Morgan will get a marathon decal showing they watched 24. Sorry. Morgan will get a marathon decal showing they watched 26.4 hours. 26.4 hours? <laughs> you got rid of my script. You've been doing this for years. Morgan will get a marathon decal showing they watched 26.2 hours of their favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoy and Jillian Pensavalli. And these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedurals, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories, these are their stories. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the Academy of Podcasting award-nominated show <laughs> about network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at SVU Season 12, Episode 22, Bang. As charming as your loving fiancé is, he's a reproductive abuser. Excuse me, an abuser? You want babies and you use women to make them. Oh, and you got that from a ripped condom. Joining me to do that is true crime author, host of Crime Writers On and Slate's Mom and Dad Are Fighting, Rebecca Lavoy. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Kevin. Will John Stamos be showing up to help us record this podcast? He will not. Maybe maybe he'll be there at the Academy of Podcasting. Oh, awards. God, wouldn't that be something? One of like 200 nominees. I, <laughs> it, it reminds me of like who's who in high school. You know, it's like it's just to sell the book. And joining us to round out our panel is our special guest from True Crime Obsessed and the Hamilcast podcast, Jillian Pensavalli. Hi, Jillian. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. So you have a podcast that's about all things true crime. Lame. <laughs> I know, right? Like there, like there really needed to be another one. You're with our old friend of the show, Patrick Hines. Yes. And tell us a little bit about what your podcast is. It's called True Crime Obsessed. And Patrick and I sort of came together as, you know, Patrick has a lot of theater podcasts. And I also have a podcast about Hamilton called The Hamilcast. So we were just like two theater pop culture weirdos who also happen to like true crime and would get really easily excitable about it. And I know that sounds really creepy and weird. But we just thought, yeah, totally. (laughs) And we just thought there must be other people who want to talk about this in not such a really serious, serious way, which is completely valid and of course I watch true crime documentaries all the time so I was just crying to an episode of The Keepers about 20 minutes ago so I get it but our version of it is we're adding some levity to the situation we're still being very respectful and taking things seriously but if you don't laugh about it you're going to cry and freak out and never leave the house. Can I just point out 
There are people who are already doing that podcast. <laughs> yeah, but it, but Patrick and I, you know what? If Patrick likes something, he's doing a podcast on it. That's just if you have if you've met Patrick. But yeah, rolls. we just thought we'll just do it our way. Right, right. Now, of all the franchises, Jillian, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite Law and Order detective team. Oh, Benson and Stabler. Nice. Is that bad? Oh, no, okay. it's no, nice. no, it's a classic okay. pick. Well, I'm so excited to be talking about SVU again because I was such an SVU fan. I cut cable a while ago, but before that, you know, those USA marathons where mm-hmm. it's like, it's Tuesday, let's just have a marathon of SVU. And then it would be like, it's Olivia Day. And it would be all like her badass episodes or then like the badass Stabler Wednesday or whatever. <laughs> like USA was just on a lot because SVU marathons were on constantly. So yeah, the I was... iced tea looks like marathon. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was just, looks like you know... the captain went down with the ship. Looks like someone <laughs> cut their cable cord. <laughs> It's true. Yes. It's like someone stealing cable from the neighbor. <laughs> it actually happened in an episode. Don't make fun of that. Oh, the guy okay. ended, up being, ended oh. up being like a child pornographer. Yeah, I actually know which one that is. And I feel pretty sad right now. Like, now, uh, do you have a favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team. I loved Casey Novak. Casey Novak. What you like about her? The way she would stare people down? Yeah. I mean, well, of course, like all of those female lawyers and all the women on the show were just not taking any shit from anybody, which I loved. But I, I just I, I just I liked her style. I don't, not fashion style, because God knows I have none of it. But I just I just liked her whole vibe. I dug her. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I dig her, too. <laughs> I the thing that I like about Casey is that she provides a lot of transparency in like the process of what you have to do to prosecute a case. Whereas like other prosecutors roll into the law and order squad room or the SVU squad room and they're like, I can't prosecute this. She actually says like, the reason I can't prosecute this is because I've done this before and you screwed it up for me last time. Like, she, she gives a little bit more of like a behind the curtain, like why these guys are making her life so damn hard. My feelings are yes. still hurt. <laughs> Well, now let's take a look at the first half of this episode. Cannot wait. SVU Season 12, Episode 22, Bang. Great episode name, right? Yeah. <laughs> Bang. Very very New York Post of them. Yeah. Hey, we begin when a woman finds a baby abandoned in an alley, and hey, it's not even prom season. <laughs> oh, God. Came in severely hypothermic. No obvious signs of abuse. Left out in 30-degree weather, that's abuse. Or attempted murder. Little guy's lucky he's under an incubator, not in a coffin. What was he wearing when he was brought in? Just a onesie. Wrapped in a couple of flannel blankets. We sent them over to your crime lab for evidence processing. Why would someone do this to you? Uh, while the infant recovers at a hospital, leave it to Finn to spot the child's onesie as coming from a high-end baby store. Stabler and Benson show the owner a photograph of, well, a two-month-old baby? And she immediately recognizes him as Jasper, <laughs> the adopted son of career woman Dee Dee Aston. At the apartment, Dee Dee's not home, but the maid Imelda is praying over an empty crib. Stabler finds a broken condom and learns it comes from handsome lawyer Ken Turner. So handsome. He says he and Dee Dee are just friends, and Imelda was just a fling. But when Dee Dee shows up at the squad, we learn they're engaged. She says Ken handled the paperwork on Jasper's adoption, and then they fell in love. Dee Dee tells everyone she left home that night because Papa don't preach. She's in trouble deep. <laughs> Ken is thrilled that she's pregnant and says he's glad that rubber broke too. Benson accuses him of being a reproductive abuser. Classic case. Tricking Dee Dee into having his baby. Having committed no actual crime, the happy couple go home. Meantime, DNA from the baby blanket implicates Dee Dee's scuba diving neighbor. 
He says he took Jasper to get him away from philandering Ken. Benson and Stabler confront Ken with a stack of birth certificates showing he's fathered 20 children. That's all that'll happen in the first half of the episode. You're sure. That is all the first. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. That could be a two-parter <laughs> right there. So it's ice Tea's Finn who spots the label on the onesie <laughs> as coming from this expensive uptown store. You see that logo? That comes from a store called Baby Teak, an Upper East Side baby store. How do you know that? My niece registered there for a newborn. A blanket I bought him cost me two weeks of overtime. What well, was it made out of? Mink? Organic cotton. Are you going to say the name of the store? Bebe Teak? It's so ridiculous. (laughs) Bebe Teak. And then the woman in the store was like, Little India rests so much more comfortably, where it's like, all right, look, they're really hitting at home that this is like the most obnoxious store in Manhattan. Yeah. And with these baby names and Bebe Teak. It's full on UES. (laughs) As you can, it's like totally at the Upper East Side. Like she knows everyone and recognizes a baby from it. Yes. I'm sorry, I don't mean to stereotype, but all babies kind of look alike. Too much, yes. <laughs> Especially at that age. And also, first of all, I live 10 blocks away from where that place supposedly is, which is like actually a Chipotle or whatever. But like, <laughs> it's, it's like, and maybe because I'm not a mom. I recognize that burrito. It belonged yeah, to Tony. Exactly. Maybe because I'm not a mom. But I, I thought the same thing, Rebecca. I was like, don't they all kind of look exactly yeah. the same? You know, he had age? like a mole on his cheek and you could say, oh, yes, it's that's right. uh There that's was Jasper. so much great privileged white mom stuff at the start of this episode between the cold open where the moms are at the gym where all the kids are taking gymnastics and they're all to a Throwing their panties at the gay gymnastics (laughs) teacher. Yes. And then like the the sexually frustrated mom goes outside and finds the baby by the dumpster, which is hilarious. And then you have, of course, Ice-T, who's always always sort of like on point when it comes to like the details, right? Is he just an expert in iconography that he can pick? <laughs> it's He knows that's the South Asian drug cartel yes. stamped on that thing. It and was that, two weeks of overtime and that, that blanket cost And that cost $87. <laughs> two weeks of overtime for two a cotton blanket. It was very memorable. He's an expert on a lot of things. Do you remember that episode with the down low with the, yes. the black guys? And, he, yes. and the big quote, I remember this. He was like, he was like, yeah, you know, it's called the down low. And that's what happens. And Stabler just looks at him and he goes, don't look at me. I just know stuff. <laughs> and so that's just like what, what I guess just a character trait of Finn where he just happens to know these most these ridiculous details. So we might as well get right to it. Let's cue Kermit the Frog. It's our very special guest star. John Stamos. Yes. Oh, John Stamos. Of course, we know John from Full House, Fuller House, ER, General Hospital. Yes. What was his character's name? Uh, he was Blackie, Blackie in General Hospital. Yes. yes. I, you didn't think I was going to know that? Please. You pointed to me like it was going to be a mystery to me. <laughs> Look, Amelda is built for you know, great sex. I mean, she's not really nanny material. I mean, Jasper cries no more than most babies, but she can't handle it. Can we just, like, I, we have to just have an aside. All right. John Stamos is gorgeous. He, like, glows with gorgeousness. I remember when John Stamos, he's, like, good friends with Howard Stern. Mm -hmm. And so, like, Howard Stern would have him on years ago, and he'd walk in the studio, and Howard Stern would be like, I can't even look at you, man. And this episode, they do a really good job of showcasing just how, and I know this is the wrong use of the word, he is objectively good looking. He just is. I'm sorry. He just is. Well, well, Jillian, this part was written... The writer's honest to God, his name is Speedweed. But they say 
No, I'm not joking on that. You no, no, saying. I know that. That's in my notes too. You guys. <laughs> Accuracy. Like, are we going to talk about Speed Weed, please, for two seconds? I just know that Speed was a nickname. Weed well, was I, probably yeah, well, yeah. A, yeah, yeah. It's like WG Snuffy Walden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they say that they wrote this role specifically for John Stamos. Now, so Jillian, I mean, isn't true? Do we not need a super charming guy to believe he could sling the D like this? Yeah, I mean, it's like, it makes sense to me, I guess, for, for him to just Paul be. Giamatti could not do this role. You know what? And I love Paul Giamatti, especially as John Adams with those busted teeth. But yeah, no, you need you need a Stamos for a role like this, I think. Uh, am I crazy? Jillian, I mean, you're a woman. I am. Do you also agree that he is just like, I mean, you take the fact that you know him as Uncle Jesse off the table, which of course, every time someone's attached to a character, you can't help but see them as that person. But like, oh, of course, is he not? He's like beautiful. You don't right? have to ask yeah. her opinion. I'll say I'm a guy. Yeah, he's beautiful. Man. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And he just he also doesn't age, which is just like, what's going on there? Something is... just fits so well. Well, like he's one of those, you know, And this character, I think it was just like the bizarro John Stamos. Like what if John Stamos was the worst? He was the worst, but he was also kind of the best because he was very earnest about being the worst. Yeah, like, he, he, he also didn't... like thought this was a great thing that he was doing. <laughs> he didn't have one of those SVU moments where all of a sudden it's revealed that he's like an evil psychopath with like a, like a knife on it. He was just earnest the whole time. Earnest yeah. in his evilness. Yeah, that's true. He really thought he was like, I don't see what the problem is here. Like, I'm just <laughs> I'm just slinging the D slinging it yeah. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of calling the police when the the baby in her care disappears, <laughs> Amelda lights candles around the crib and prays. She also screws her boss's fiance. I'm starting to think that she is not nanny material. She's not. That's what John Stamos said. She was built for he great said, sex. Quote, She's not man- nanny material. <laughs> She's built for great sex. He said, right? Yeah. Yeah. And- you guys, it's like we all took the same notes because those were also pull quotes that I had as well. <laughs> Can we just talk for a second about the reveal that she's been having sex with someone when Stabler brings that trash can over and is, there is a super close up. Just found a condom in the bathroom. Oh, it, it must be from Miss Diddy. Yeah, well, she's been gone for two days and this looks uh, kind of fresh. An HD TV of a used condom that legit actually looks like, it's like one of the most pornographic things I've ever seen on this show was like this yeah. super high close up of this used condom. I couldn't see the break in the condom myself. I was, <laughs> I was looking, you know, it was supposedly busted and it's busted from wild sex. Yeah, with Imelda, because she was built for it. Right. You know, I'm surprised no one broke a hip if that's, you know, <laughs> if you're going to bust a condom all the time. Hey, we have a in this episode a Hey, It's That Girl. Sure we do. Hey, it's that girl. Can anyone identify Dee Dee? Oh, Footloose. Yeah. What's the actress's name? Oh, um, shit. Do I have you? Do I have you? Um, wait, no, uh, Lori, no, Lori, Lori. Lori something from Lori, Lori Singer. Singer. Lori yes. Singer. I'm a management consultant, and my whole life has been work, work, work. I, you know, I didn't even have time to date. I hear ya. And Shit, prior to sorry. Footloose, she was on the television show Fame, which is how like I knew her before she was in Footloose. And this is literally the only thing I've ever seen her in besides those two things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same. Look, I haven't watched SVU consistently in a long time. Is this a particularly soapy episode or is this just what it always was like? Oh, no. Oh, no. This is this is off the rails. So <laughs> OK, because there were so many things where she's like, what am I, your grandmother? Like all of this just ridiculous stuff where I'm like, this is fantastic. It was fantastic. And she her her clothes were like 
gorgeous in this episode. What I loved about her in this episode was that she's obviously recognizable as Laurie Singer. Right. But she was age-appropriate Laurie Singer. Like, she wasn't, like, all, like, Botoxed up. She looked like a very beautiful woman of a certain age. Yes. Really beautifully turned out. Very believable as a high-powered management consultant. Very believable as John Stamos's ignorant fiancé. Um, <laughs> I-, I thought well cast. I thought the writing for her was insane. Insane. <laughs> yeah, like, she she deserved so much better, I think. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm, I just keep thinking that the town elders from Footloose would be so disappointed about her child out of wedlock. <laughs> well, th- this is exactly what they didn't want to happen. Like, this, this was Dancing it. Dancing would lead to this. Yeah. Dancing would lead to 20 kids. Well, her Absolutely. parents in, uh, in Footloose were who, Kevin? John well, yeah, Lithgow. John Lithgow. And, and Diane Will. Weist was her mother, right? Oh, the was future DA, Weist? right? Was it Diane? Yeah, it was Diane Weist who was their mother. Yes, who was also on Law and Order, of course. So, Well, she probably would have gone easy on the prosecution there. So, <laughs> so Olivia channels her inner Gorin, uh, <laughs> deducing that one broken condom is an accident, but two broken condoms makes you a reproductive abuser. A classic a cl- reproductive a abuser. A textbook. <laughs> as charming as your loving fiancé is, he's a reproductive abuser. Excuse me, an abuser? You want babies and you use women to make them. Oh, and you got that from a ripped condom. The standard fail rate is 1%. Now, Didi, I bet Ken's rate is a lot higher than that. You know what? Our condoms break because we have so much fun in bed. Or Tell because her. you poke tiny little holes in them ahead of time. <laughs> Olivia says reproductive abuser no less than 17 times. And she says it as if everyone knows <laughs> what that is. <laughs> like, she just keeps saying it. And I'm like, is this a term that I meant? Like, she's just like, a reproductive I'm like alright everybody drink every time she says reproductive abuser we'd all be hammered before the first act is over she says he's a textbook reproductive abuser I'm like what textbook exactly Who's what is re- that what are you talking about I know I mean her saying that over and over again was about as subtle as the neighbor boy coming out from the downstairs apartment in the very first scene with his scuba gear in the winter in the middle of winter uh, over his, his winter like, coat as a viewer it's so distracting when he comes out in the scuba gear the first thing you think is that's Scuba gear's coming to play later. Yeah, <laughs> and when she says "classic reproductive abuser," and she says it over and over again, you're like, clearly that's where this episode is going. Yeah. Guys. Meantime, it's right. like, hey, over here, right? Stolen baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's the crime. You're like, oh, this guy's a mimbo. <laughs> it's true. It's true. You have you have poor Amelda who's being taken advantage of the the stolen baby, the admittedly stolen baby, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, but the reproductive abuser is so popular in the lexicon that that trumps all, even though it is not a crime. So we have DNA testing on the blanket, and they find a red hair. But the DNA testing is now so sophisticated, they also can <laughs> right. tell that the person has. Blue eyes. Right. So that narrowed it the fuck down for Manhattan, right? <laughs> right. It's that one dude, Wade Fisk. He had to have been it. He's the only guy with red hair and blue eyes who could have actually. <laughs> As opposed to all the red hair and black eyed people that are walking around. Yeah. In, yeah. In right. Right? So they got a warrant on that. And that's why he ends up in custody. And he seriously 100% thought that that was the best idea. And even Finn, I think it was Finn. It was like, so so not the front door, like just in the back where the garbage is. That's where you wanted to leave the baby. Well, I knew that the moms who were trying to jump the bones of the instructor. <laughs> the and wasn't, the did, did, it, did you know that Wade was gay too? I can't remember. Was there like a no. throwaway scene? No. no I, not I, I kept no. thinking where it was going to go was that he was the boyfriend of like the instructor. And that's how he knew. That, oh, like, like this show needed one outside. more fucking twist. <laughs> Please. <laughs> come on. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. 
Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Well, now let's look at the second half of this episode. Let's do it. (laughs) SVU brings in Audrey, a specialist in reproductive abuse cases, (laughs) to help them arrest Ken for something that's not actually illegal. So, Audrey, we're looking for a little guidance on how to nail this guy. He's poking holes in condoms, isn't he? Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that's not illegal. Putting semen in a woman without her consent should be considered rape. The ADA doesn't see it that way. So is there anything else that guys like this do? Reproductive abusers use verbal coercion to make women have babies. You can't collar this guy for what comes out of his mouth. When the words don't work, some use their fists to get what they want. There's no evidence Ken is hitting Dee. But we do have Ken's 20 other baby mamas to ask. We should track him down. They find Jasper's birth mother, a coke addict, who says Ken sweet-talked her out of custody. After getting a warrant for the misdemeanor crime of failing to file paperwork, they trace Ken's cell phone to a classy hotel. There, they catch him with a hot babe, sticking pins in a condom. Ken tells Stabler that he loves procreation, and why not? He's John fucking Stamos. Yeah. (laughs) After ADA Snuffleupagus refuses to charge him, (laughs) SVU gathers all 20 mothers in the squad room for what looks like the worst Lilith Fair ever. (laughs) Unfazed, Ken admits he's actually the father of 47 children around the world. Later that night, Ken is found at TD's <laughs> with his. With, do, do, with, do you want to read that no, part? I got it. I got it. With his chest blown apart from the inside out, <laughs> Stapler deduces the murder weapon is something called a wasp injector knife. Yeah. Scuba divers use it because the knife has a canister of compressed CO2, which. When stabbed, will blow up anything like a meat balloon. <laughs> Dee Dee, a scuba diver, admits to owning a wasp injection knife, but has an alibi. All of the mothers went for white wine and Cosmos <laughs> in what was likely a very awkward getting-to-know-you party. <laughs> they turn up at the squad room, Spartacus-style, and vouch for Dee Dee. But someone did slip away. The detectives discover Audrey... The abuse specialist, Dr. Audrey, sipping a glass of wine and toying with a knife. She says all she wanted to do was cut off his dick and was just as surprised as the rest of us when instead he exploded. <laughs> like, I love that you can't even talk about I it. Think this is great. I, I also love that, like, the show knew where it's like, we just have to protect his face, so let's just kill him oh, in yeah. a way. Oh, yeah, don't blow his face off. <laughs> they just kill, they just blow up his entire middle midsection, but his face is completely untouched. Now, I know you're not going to say it because you never do, so I'm just going to throw it in right now. Yeah. Dr. Audrey is another Hey, It's That Guy. It's Noelle Beck, who was a longtime soap opera actress. She was a lead character on the longtime soap opera Loving. My sister's boyfriend beat the hell out of her one night. 
Next thing I know, I'm a domestic violence counselor in Buffalo. And she was also on As the World Turns playing Lily. And you see her. And if you're like an old timey soap opera fan like me, you're like, that's a soap opera lady. And you always let people go unacknowledged. So I thought I would just say it right now. Hey, that's <laughs> great. <laughs> so, hey, there is no crime committed here. But when Craig is out of the office, they'll investigate just about any fucking thing, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a question? Yeah. yeah. They spent taxpayer dollars to hire a specialist from Buffalo in reproductive abuse. Yes. But she also had one, I think, you know, just to make it serious for a yeah, second. Yeah, yeah. She had one of the, a line in the episode that actually I found a little bit disturbing when they went to go see Jasper's mom at the skating rink, which is a hilarious, like super New York job for like, you know, somebody's like drug abuser, you know, mom whose baby was kidnapped to have, you know, picking up garbage in the bleachers of a skating rink. They were talking about how they could get him. And at one point, (laughs) Dr. Audrey, who's allegedly an expert in like abuse, is like, this is real prosecutable rape. And I'm like, as opposed to all that fake, like unprosecutable yep. rape that this sexual violence team like deals with all it was did that stick out to you, Jillian? Am I nuts on that one? Totally in my notes. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> I was Benson, like, you, know, you know what a rape is, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like, where's that Benson gif moment then where she, she should be like, I'm sorry, what? Like that double take where it's like, so what do I do 18 hours a day? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you for explaining to me what rape is, Dr. Audrey. Yes. I appreciate yeah. it. Although there is, I mean, it should be a crime to be like you said, serious for a minute to like inject your own semen into somebody without their knowledge. That should be a crime. Like it's insane that him poking holes in condoms in 47 women is not something that he can get in any kind of trouble for other than these women confronting him in a police precinct in Manhattan. Making it awkward. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the punishment should be more than just him having to deal with an awkward situation. Well, SVU sometimes is ahead of the curve and it can be very thought provoking about the way we interact with one another sexually in modern society. And Stabler and Benson are kind of still like, you know, what Ken Turner did is not a crime. Should it be a crime? It took the courts a long time to recognize domestic violence as a crime. Maybe Audrey's research can raise awareness about reproductive coercion and pass laws about it. Poking holes in condoms will become fraud with intent to deceive. Sure. Flushing birth control pills down the toilet becomes larceny. Yeah, leave it to Stabler to always make it sexist, like 100% of the time. (laughs) That's like his trademark move. He's like, how can I turn this around and make every woman watching this show hate me immediately? I know what I'll say. I'll say it's the same (laughs) as the millions of women who flush their birth control down the toilet. The documented millions of them, right? Uh, The documented millions of guys taking uh, a Nobody said that. Nobody said that. I mean, nobody said this was common. I'm sure it was textbook, but nobody said yeah, it, it was textbook. common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, if it, it, but that's the thing, though. If it's so textbook, then why is it not? Like, why is it so hard to prosecute this guy? I don't know. I'm just going to say this. Like, John Stamos is the only person, like you said earlier, who could have played this Who part. could get away with saying Because that, there were so, certain yeah. times this episode where I'm like, yeah, you know, I, would I really complain if I had an unplanned pregnancy and the baby came out looking like John Stamos? I also just love how it's so funny that he really doesn't care about the kids after they've been born because he pets that one kid like an actual dog. Yeah. He just goes up to the kid and just like pats him on the head real with like no love or emotion. Yeah, no offense, all. but you would think those kids would be a whole lot better looking. 
They weren't well, bad looking. They weren't That's bad mean. looking, but they got half Stamos blood in them. It you was know? like it was like whoever they could get. If, I mean, there wasn't like you know those kids didn't have speaking parts. You know, they were just like you know probably like the daughters and, and nephews and nieces of the. There were fifteen crew, mothers right? that didn't have speaking parts. They're all just supposed <laughs> to have their arms crossed, staring at <laughs> nodding. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> It's a bit of an exaggerated rationale about men wanting to spread their seed, and but is what, it? <laughs> well, Ken confronts <laughs> Stabler about his own family. Oh, it's right? the best. What about you, detective? You got kids? Yeah, with my wife. How many? Not as many as you. How many, detective? Five. Five children. That's interesting. See, I I think you understand the urge, but you're limited by fear, or weakness, or lack of means. Like a mojo. <laughs> See, at heart, I think you really want to be me. So, Jillian, does Stabler have maybe a more socially acceptable desire than Ken? Are they not sort of the same thing about men wanting to have progeny? I, I, I asked I the women, of course, about this. because <laughs> I, I think Stabler made a good point, though, where it's like being a father takes work and it's an everyday thing. It's not just you impregnate someone and then go to a different country and do it 46 other times around the world. There's one like really, really fun, like super SVU moment in that confrontation between John Stamos and Stabler when he asks Stabler. Why do you have such a hard on for me? Why do you have such a hard on for me? Oh, and he's is- like, because you can't keep yours out of unsuspecting women. And he does it with that Stabler, that like squinty kind of yes. half laugh, half smirk <laughs> thing. And yes. you're like, perfect. This and it's perfect. like, it's he's being totally Stabler. He's going to full on like douchebag better than you mode and then John Stamos does do that whole 180 thing where he like he kind of like instinctively knows like this is a guy who has like the same thing that I've got kind of I actually really liked that it's like for me you know I love Benson and Stabler as a Mm -hmm. team you also know that I like fucking hate Stabler like 80% of the time (laughs) just because he is so scenery chewing A and B like there's a lot of like self-importance and like superiority and sexism sort of built into his character but I do love it when John Stamos who's a total caricature of masculinity kind of calls Stabler on you know his version of masculinity I found that really kind of refreshing and cool and then when (laughs) he takes it over the top when he says come on admit it detective you know you want to bang your partner Watch your grow swollen with your child. Don't you want to see her swollen with your child? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he lost me at that. I was just like, that is the grossest way to say, don't you want someone to be pregnant? Grow swollen? Like, that's so disgusting. So he, he had you right until then, huh? <laughs> Barely. Barely. <laughs> Would just note as, as an aside that this is Chris Maloney's second to last appearance. Is this why? Was, <laughs> was dialogue too much for him? He was like, it? I have to go procreate more with my wife. <laughs> One of these kids will not be crazy. No, if you follow Chris Maloney on Twitter, you know he has to do more yoga and more fly f- his little plane around. It's what he's got to do. He's, he's a busy man. How did they get 20 moms and their children to the squad room at the same time? Including the Australian one? (laughs) Yes. I forgot that she was Australian. Can you put Qantas? And that was the backup plan. That was the backup plan. Yes. (laughs) Meantime, none of them are pulling each other's hair out. Well, I guess because they have a common hatred towards this person. And I was always I was thinking, too, I was like, so none of them want like alimony or is, is he just paying them off because he's that rich that he's just giving them money all the time? He did say to one of them, he says, I send a check. Every he's writing month. checks right. to all those women. He's very I mean, he's like very wealthy. We know this. He's that a hedge he's, fund. Yeah. Like, so swap, he has, default swap, dude. He has the money. Of course, he doesn't like keep track of all of them because he didn't know that. <laughs> 
one of the mothers that he uh, knocked up killed herself with right. the child. His reaction is, she had no right to kill my son. <laughs> Right. Yeah, it's true that like, uh, your your point is a good one. So I guess the whole thing was they were trying to get a prosecution together, right? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't happening. And then Olivia's like, "It's okay, we've got a plan B." And then they walk out into the squad room, and those twenty women are there. What if Plan A had worked, and those twenty women had just been called down, and they were all standing out there for two hours, like for no reason? Like, how pissed off would they be? Like, They'd go to ladies, brunch again or wherever. Never mind, ladies. <laughs> we don't need you for this awkward confrontation. You can all go home. I, I still yeah. want to see the incident report that they file for Craig and for when he gets back from wherever he is. <laughs> You'll never believe what happened Thursday. It's like Jillian always said. It's like probably like getting like a call back for an audition. Like, yeah. and you're just sitting in the stupid room forever, and then they like just let everybody go. You know, everyone step yeah. forward. Okay, and you it, guys can all go. And usually they have this like ridiculous, very forced excuse as to why a character can't be there. Yeah, you know. So I'm I'm, I'm surprised they didn't have like well Craig out fixing the deck in his summer home or whatever. They always like have to say something very specific and very forced where it's like, all right, so Olivia's not here this episode. We get it. I- I'm disappointed that Munch could I Munch would have had a whole bunch of great one liners. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't I think Ice-T was also underutilized in this episode quite a bit. He, he was. And now it's Finn who comes up and, and makes the big reveal that being a creep can get you dead as a doornail. He <laughs> he announces that Ken Turner has found up dead. And so they go to the, the scene and he says that the neighbor to described it as a yell and a wet bang. And it's ironic because Ken Turner died with a wet bang, but with all those busted condoms, it's pretty much also how he lived. He did. That's why the name with of this episode is so great. It's a great, dirty, hilarious name for this episode. Yeah, it's, it's like the New York Post named it. It's, it's perfect. Exactly. I'm surprised they didn't call it wet bang. <laughs> and I'm sorry, just to, to go back, that scene of them where he's like, I'm going to give you the time of your life when they're like busting into the hotel and you see him like precisely <gasps> poking the hole in the condom. With his glasses it's on. Like, we do have like to go back. We do to it's so ridiculous. Because that woman that he was about to have sex with was like beautiful and maybe mm-hmm. the worst actress I've ever seen on this show. Like, God love her. I'm sure she's a perfectly nice person. First of all, why would you answer the door in your hotel room? Yes, because I noticed they already had room service. Yes. It's like, who else yes. is coming? Did they order the newspaper or If something? you are wearing that kind of lingerie and you're going to knock on your hotel room door, you look through the peephole and you say, sorry, let me get my robe. Sorry, white guy and black guy. I'm not letting you in while I'm in my panties. <laughs> yeah. well, well, to do that, that would ruin the whole big reveal because she would have to go into the bathroom probably to get the robe. It's true. And then it would take away from the big like kick in the door scene of Stabler and Finn finding him poking the hole with such precision. Yeah, the great detail in that scene was that he was wearing like reading glasses as he was poking the hole in the condom. He was sitting in the toilet. It's like he had like a jeweler's <laughs> loop in his eyes. Like, I want to get this yeah. just right. Yeah, and it was like so precisely poked that like Finn was able to hold up the light and look through it and like see the little holes. It was great. Now, so we, we have dead John Stamos on the ground. Did anyone like take a good close look at the scene because it looked like there was at least two hundred dollars worth of actual steak tips thrown around <laughs> like man chum. Yeah, it was it was pretty cheesy and pretty great all at once. John Stamos said Jillian that he had worked all these years on ER and he had never seen anything that bloody and gruesome. Well, yeah, I believe it, and also just you know, as long as the face is okay, that's really I think yes. was their main concern. Like, and I really think that they were just like, how are we going to kill this guy that makes it so that we could still zoom in on his face? Because we want to see that one more time. Yeah, because you definitely do not want to see his chest after it looks like the after photo in Alien. So her goal was to cut his dick off. Is what 
what right. she said. Yeah. Why did she stab him in the chest? Like, why was that the first place she went? Why didn't she just like stab him down there? She may have, and the canister thing like went up and all right in you know, the chest cavity. I don't know. I've never been stabbed with a wasp injection knife. They, and they played that little video with the fish or whatever, <laughs> like that little example. Fish. Makes sense for diving. You stab a shark with it, and it rockets up to the surface. And it blows it to bits by 800 psi. Whoa. Just like Ken. I think that was supposed to be like one of their like own like evidence texts, the tech guys. which was absurd because they didn't actually have the knife, right? Right. It was like well, a sample did... knife. Oh yeah, because they said it was from the navy. So I thought maybe it was like from what the military shows people when they're maybe maybe I don't know, but who knows? So it, it, it was bullshit. It was... They just Googled it, and came up on YouTube. <laughs> but it was like one of those times where they were like using like Elliot the veteran, like he's the expert, so he's able to know. he just knows because like he's seen action, uh-huh. you know. <laughs> and it was like all right. Finn knows designer labels of organic baby blankets. Sure. And Elliot knows about scary weapons that Navy SEALs use to blow up terrorists. And if you, that seems fair. And if you, yeah. if you <laughs> nice took balance. somebody who had never seen the show and put those two characters side to side, <laughs> you said, which one of these guys knows about baby clothes and which one knows about <laughs> explosive cutlery? It's true. It's, it does it's seem a, a little bit like typing, casting against type, but I yeah. liked it. It was creative. So we have a knife that blows up people. Jillian, is this the most ridiculous way anyone has been killed in the history of television? As far as I remember, yes. I was like, wait, what? What? Like, and they just sort of just kept dropping all these things where I was like, oh, okay, so that's how they're justifying it. So that's how they're justifying it. Because at first glance, you're like, this is ridiculous. And then after all the justifications, guess what? Still absurd. I mean, maybe Chuckles the Clown on Mary Tyler Moore no. was more ridiculous. No. Nope. The person falling down the elevator chute on L.A. Law. Nope. But this is definitely for SVU. The most, like, weird and ridiculous way of killing somebody, I mean, first of all, Game of Thrones, you know, has, like, totally upped the game on this. But oh. there was the one episode where they put the bucket of rats on the guy. Oh, yeah, the tickler. And, like, what's supposed to happen is the rats are going to eat uh-huh. another guy. To me, that was, like, the worst and most ridiculous death in the history oh, of television. Ridiculous. I mean, this you one put was a box good. of rats on someone's face you know they're going to get eaten. But here's the thing. I was thinking about it later. You don't cut some guy's dick off and watch him explode. It's true. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's true. Here's the thing. I don't know what the rip from the headline story is at all. So I don't know if it has anything to do with like this knife. But here's what I think happened. I think that some writer learned about this kind of knife and wanted to like work it into an episode, mm-hmm. right? Because when you kind of think about how all the scuba shit was in the episode for no reason like it's the middle of winter you see a guy leaving his basement apart with scuba gear no where is he going is he going to the coney island aquarium to scuba dive with the beluga whales like <laughs> where the fuck is he going with no wetsuit and just scuba gear out of his- <laughs> so i feel like they discovered this weapon they wanted to use it they're like only elliot stabler would have any idea what this thing is because he was in the military and so we're gonna build all of this other detail into the episode just so we can have this method because it was totally divorced from the whole rest of the plot it was not a good revenge death. Like, typically in SVU, like, the way that a revenge killing would happen, it was somehow be, like, reflective of the crime the person had been committing, right? You mean he would yeah. get, like, blown up with the knife on the courthouse steps? Yeah, or, or he would... No, would be great, and, boom, and it'd be, like, chum all over, like, the press and everybody around them. I kind of feel like Dr. Audrey tipped her hand. She said, I was going to cut his dick off, but then I found this knife. I feel like the writers were saying, we were just going to have someone cut his dick off, but then we discovered this cool knife on the internet, and we decided to kill him <laughs> this way. Yeah, and then they just went backwards from there to build an episode. <laughs> exactly. My favorite thing about this episode, I think, first of all, when we meet Audrey, she's like, 
Sharon Stone and Basic Instinct with that full glass of wine just sitting there. (laughs) And my favorite thing about it, I like cackled and like kicked my leg up when she said the last line that she has where she's like, please, Olivia. Please, Olivia. Just a few more sips. They don't serve wine where I'm going. They don't serve wine where I'm going. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, wait a second. Like, this is just the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. And then it's just like fade out where it's like, okay, like what? They just let her finish her red wine? Like, I don't understand. She still had that knife. I would let her finish the The whole character's weird. Like, we are supposed to believe that Olivia took like a training course with her. But we've never seen her before in the show, right? But they introduce her as if she's been in like 17 other episodes. And this is supposed to be some big No, she reveal. said, like I was at, I was at a course and she was the thing there. And you know, remember that Thursday I was around? It's kind of like the Marsha yeah. Gay Harden character yeah. who turns out to be, but she was in like a bunch of other episodes first. So it was actually mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. when she turned out to be a bad guy. Like, this wasn't like that. This was like the discount version of that. No, it was a wet bang. <laughs> Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money, a lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money, which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. All right, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. Cannot wait. It's time for Ripped from the Headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Ripped from the Headlines. This episode was partly inspired by a 2010 clinical study of what researchers dubbed reproductive coercion. It was a new look at a type of domestic abuse that had long gone unnoticed or unreported. Men who got women pregnant either by deception or force of will. Practices included poking holes in condoms or swapping out birth control pills. While nearly half of the pregnancies in the United States are unplanned, researchers estimated a third of them were the result of coercion. This episode may have also taken a cue from the story of Britain's most notorious serial father, Keith MacDonald. The Daily Mail reported the 25-year-old had fathered 11 children with 10 different women and mothers of five other children claiming they're his. MacDonald claimed a bad back kept him from working and was getting 100 quid a week off the dole. Because of his inability to work, the British government paid child support to all of MacDonald's offspring. The newspaper estimated it will cost taxpayers £2 million by the time the children are all adults. All right, let's uh, set aside poking holes in condoms for a second. Jillian, explain to me where the line between being a father saying, I'd really like you to keep this baby and coercion is. If the woman doesn't want to in any way and then the conversation continues and then she ends up having a baby, then that's coercion. Is that does that make sense? Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Like like if, if, if someone says, I want you to have a baby and then I say no. And then the conversation continues until I'm like, well, like that, that's I'm being coerced into agreeing. Totally. 
Listen, I don't want to get like weird and political about this because it shouldn't be political and weird. But like a man does not have a baby. A woman has a baby. Mm -hmm. It would be like me saying to you, hey, I know you just had dinner, but I want you to eat this whole ham. And then you say, I don't want to eat this whole ham. And I say, (laughs) if you loved me, you would eat this whole ham. Obviously, that's like a dumb example. But like, I'm asking you to do something that you have chosen to not do. Yeah, And you're the one who's going to have the food baby. With your body. And like, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like, it's absurd. It's totally absurd. I mean, they really did take it a step further and looked at it in a clinical way about- It was textbook. uh, it was te- here's the textbook. Classic. Here is the classic textbook case. that they wrote right before the episode. Somebody obviously I saw like how something. It was a classic case of reproductive abuse, but like the real thing doesn't even call it that. What do they call it? Reproductive coercion. Reproductive coercion. Yeah, that's different. That's not textbook. I mean, like like if Olivia said, <laughs> "You're a reproductive coercionist." Oh, the best part was every single time John Stamos would say, "Stop using the word abuse." Yeah. <laughs> Stop calling me an abuser. And she was like, no, I'm going to do it again and again and again. So let's look at Mr. McDonald. Uh, Now, if you could see his photo, he's not John Stamos. (laughs) They never are. They never are. He looks like the guy who was the partner on The Killing. The tall blonde guy looked like he was a heroin addict. Oh, I love that guy. Oh, but yeah, he, me but too. he was not cute on the killing, is what you're saying. No, no, he looked. Yeah, he, he was cute later on. Um, what was he on? Where he was super cute? Robocop. Like, House or... of Cards. Was it House of Cards? Yeah, he was That's in House right. of Cards, and yeah. he was super cute in House. There you of go. Cards, yeah, he got his shit together. <laughs> Mr. McDonald. First of all, he said that he met all of his baby mamas at the bus stop. Oh boy. Cool. I just think that's a funny idea. Well, see, the newspapers had- He chatted them up at the bus stop? He chatted them up at the bus stop. Before the lorry arrived to pick them up or whatever it's called? Yeah, and then he he gave them the old- uh, One, two. two, two. (laughs) Got off on the right foot, and that was it. Um, So apparently it was the newspapers had- Gave him the old double-decker? By the way, (laughs) there may be a lot of McDonald's on the internet, but if you put also the term feckless- uh-huh. In the Google search, it'll come up with this because he kept being dubbed as Britain's most feckless father. Okay. <laughs> and the newspapers had a field day because he said his back was sore, but not too sore to spread his seat all over Sunderland in Tyne, which is the, <laughs> the little village he was in. So these are all Daily Mail stories you looked up, it, right? Yes, it was Daily Mail. <laughs> I knew it. The I New said York this had, there had to be a real one. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it sounds like this guy had a problem. Where he'd like, but he was he having he babies on purpose, he, or was he just like he was not having him. sex with lots of women on purpose? He was screwing everything that moved. Was he poking holes in condoms? Uh, no, I don't know. So I don't he, know. I mean, he wasn't necessarily the reproductive abuser. Just that he couldn't keep it in his pants. I kind of feel like what they showed John Stamos as being that it's like it's like somebody who can't have enough cats. It sort of felt like that, and then you like go to their house and not actually taking care of the cats. He's, he's like a cat lady. <laughs> yeah, he was like a kid hoarder, but he was like compulsive about it, where he just it was something he needed to do, and then he didn't. But like Stabler was saying, like that instinct was not there to do anything further and like care about their schooling or care about if they ate that day or something like very basic. He just didn't care. He just threw money at the problem and like onto the next one. Well, he certainly didn't care about the women because like that woman said she had to quit med school because she had his baby, and he was <laughs> yeah. like. Being the mother to my child is far more important than anything you could have ever wanted to right. do, right? Yeah, he was re- he was really in on himself. Right? <laughs> but but Mr. McDonald, not so much. No, no, no. Apparently, there was like a follow up article. Like I looked like a year later in the Daily Mail. In the Daily Mail. <laughs> oh boy! And he had gone from 
He had 17 kids. Ooh. And his poor pensioner uncle was broke because he kept giving Keith money mm-hmm. to spend it on the lasses. Nice. Well, good for his uncle. I mean, whatever makes him happy, right? They, they, they have universal health care there. I mean, it's not like they can't get their, like, you know. Oh, the Daily Mail was still pretty pissed. <laughs> People were kind of mad. They were thinking he could do something. I love this story. I love everything about it. It would be better, though, if he looked like John Stamos. It would be more believable for me. Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for us. We want to thank our special guest, Jillian Pensavalli. Thank you so much for having me. I, I was so excited to get back into the SVU universe for a little bit. And thank you for giving me like the soapiest app ever. I, I thank you for that as We're well. We're so glad to drag oh, you back, Jillian. It. We're so loved glad. It. This was a good one. Where can our listeners follow you online? I'm at Jillian with a G on everything, but you spell that out. So it's Jillian, then W-I-T-H-A-G. That's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. My podcast, The Hamilcast, is at The Hamilcast. You can find The Residuals, the web series about actors and commercials, theresiduals.tv. And True Crime Obsessed is truecrimeobsessed.com. And Rebecca Lavoie, how can our listeners follow you? I am on Twitter and Instagram, at Reb Lavoie. Of course, they should also subscribe to Crime Writers On. And they should check out the trailer for my new podcast, HGTV and me, which is pretty awesome. And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. And you can also tweet to us at Law and Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These RTR Stories. Our newsreader was Cy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Line editing by Henry Lavoie. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles promotions. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a review on something called Apple Podcasts. It helps others discover this program program just like you did all clips in this podcast were used in compliance with u.s copyrights act fair use exemption for criticism and commentary special thanks to the elite squad of the law and order wiki community for preserving the evidence if you want to know what episodes we're talking about in our upcoming shows go to lawandorderpodcast.com sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next law and order marathon winner these are their stories was recorded in square egg studio and is a production of partners in crime media BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.